story of a, a little boy. He was in his room. He had gotten quiet, and mother decided she better check on him. And when she went in, she found him. He had his tennis shoes on, and he had the shoes tied. And he looked at his mom, and he said, Mom, I learned how to tie my shoes all by myself. And then he began to weep. He began to cry. And she said, well, Johnny, I'm so proud of you, but why are you crying? He said, now I'll have to do it myself every day the rest of my life. And you know, that's true. Once you figure something out, then you're responsible for it. You have to do it. You know, we, we learn how to dress ourselves at some point. And as long as we're able, we have to do that the rest of our lives. We learn uh, how to make our own food. And once you learn how to make lunch, well, you have to make your own lunch the rest of your life. You learn how to go to the bathroom by yourself. Or you learn how to drive a car. And then you're responsible for what you have learned, what you know. Now, we've been uh, going through this series uh, of, of uh, basics of the faith. And we have been learning some things along the way. And once you learn those things, then you are responsible for what you have learned. Um, we, um, we, we, um, we've learned about God's being creator. God is the creator of the universe. And we're responsible for believing that. We've learned about God's word, that his Bible is given to us as a guidance and, and as His Word. We learned about Jesus Christ, His Son, who is our Savior and through faith in Him. And now we are responsible for that. Today, as we continue on in our next message, some might say, well, He's probably going to teach about the Holy Spirit, but we did a whole series back last Sunday of April and then through May on the Holy Spirit, so we're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. But what we are going to talk about is our faith. Because it's important that we understand and have the right kind of faith. We have to believe in all those things that we've talked about. We have to make sure that we understand and we know what it is that we believe. And so today... We're going to think about real faith. You know, it's one thing to have knowledge, but it's another thing to have faith. Now, what does the faith look like that we need to have? So what is, what does biblical faith look like? You know, knowledge does not equal faith. Bible even talks about that. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, You believe there is one God? Good. The, the demons believe and tremble. See, the demons don't have faith in God. They're, they're scared. They are enemies. They are against God. They believe He exists. Matthew 8, 29, Some demon-possessed men approached Jesus. And as they were approaching, they said, What do you want with us, Son of God? Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. But they believed that He was against them and they were against Him. They were His enemies. They knew that God existed. But they didn't have faith in Him. 
So today we're going to think about the, uh, the, uh, the faith that we have. And we're going to understand that faith is more than just knowledge that God exists. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 today. Of course, we don't know the author of Hebrews. Some think the Apostle Paul, though it's not like his other writings. He, he doesn't tell us that he wrote it as he does in all of his other writings. Some think it's Barnabas, uh, of course, a companion of Paul that worked with Paul. But it is part of our scripture. And the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish people, Hebrew people, who were starting to slip away from their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is writing to make sure they understand who Christ is and how faith in Christ was important. That Christ was the supreme figure that they needed to place their faith in to be part of the family of God and a member of God's kingdom. So we'll begin here in Hebrews and we'll look at verse 11. Or chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command and that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, it was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken up from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So there's a couple of things I want to draw out of this passage today, and I want you to think about three ideas about faith. You know, we put faith in a lot of things. We put our faith in the bridges on our road. We don't stop and check those bridges before we drive across them. We have faith that they'll hold our car up. We have faith in our belt. We put a belt on. We don't test it. We just put it on and we trust that it's going to hold our pants up so that our pants don't fall down. We have faith in the chair, in the pew you're sitting in. Nobody tested them before they sit down. We just walk in and plop ourselves down in the pew and we have faith that that pew is going to hold us up. Sometimes we have faith in people. Uh, we have faith. We put out a schedule here, and I have faith. One of the elders is going to come up here and give a communion meditation. I have not talked to them. We just put their name on a list. But one of them will come and, and, and do the communion meditation. So we put our faith in people. But what about God? Let's think about our faith in God. Now I want you to look at verse 6 there. In the middle of verse 6, it says something that I want to draw out of this passage. It says, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Here's the first idea. Faith begins with belief that God exists. A belief that he is real. That he's not just some idea 
that somebody came up with. Now, he's not a physical being. The Bible says uh, in John 4, 24, God is spirit. And the Bible teaches that there are some spiritual entities. There are angels. And, of course, there is the devil, Satan, God's enemy. And the devil has demons, the Bible says. We're not to seek to worship the devil or his demons or even angels. We are to seek to worship God and his son, Jesus Christ. And he is real. He does exist. We've learned that he is creator. And he is alive. And he's actively working in this world. And he loves and cares for his people who will give their lives to him. Now, we may not understand everything about God, but we have to begin to believe that He does exist. There's a philosopher named Nicholas Peel and a scientist named John Polkinghorne who came up with the following story to illustrate what biblical faith is like. And they talk about this uh, intellectual philosopher, a brilliant scientist, scientist and a simple man who went out for a walk by the ocean. They were walking and talking. They found this cove and was surrounded by steep cliffs on, on three sides and the ocean on one side and they got trapped in there and the ocean tide began to rise and none of them could swim. And they decided they would split up to see if they could find a way out and they did and they began to cry for help, and all of a sudden, a rope came down. Well, that intellectual philosopher looked at that rope, and he thought for a minute, and he said, well, I realize when people are in tough situations, sometimes they hallucinate. Sometimes they imagine things that are not there. And he looked, and he said, that rope probably is not real, and he drowned. That brilliant scientist came along and he too, the people had moved and lowered the rope down to where he was and, and he looked at that rope and he could tell you all the specifications of how it was made, the diameter of it, uh, the chemicals that went into making it, the process that it was made, but he never grabbed hold of the rope to be pulled to safety and he drowned. A simple man came along and the rope appeared to him as well. Well, he grabbed hold of the rope and he was pulled up to safety. That's what faith is. We may not know everything there is to know about God, but we have to take hold of him. And we believe that he exists and he wants to save us. So we grab God like a rope to pull us and to guide us and to save us. If we go back and we look at the first verse that I read here, it says something about faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So here's the second idea. Belief must be accompanied by trust. You think about what confidence and assurance are. They are nothing less than a trust. They go along with this belief. When we are confident of something, then we trust. When we uh, have assurance about something, we have this trust. 
If you look in this passage, it goes through a whole litany of people, of Bible characters, uh, who had faith and trusted God. It talks about Abel and Enoch, as we just read. It goes on to talk about Noah and Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and more folks. But they demonstrated that they trusted God by the actions that they did and by their obedience to God. If we believe in God, we trust not only that He is a real entity, but that His Word, the Bible, reveals Him to us. It reveals the promises that He has made to us. It reveals His Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, our, our leader, the one that forgives our sins. He is uh, God has promised to be the God of those who believe and to guide them who follow Him. And He's promised to give us eternal life. If we have that true faith, in Him. Now, He's never promised us a trouble-free life. He, but He has promised to give us eternal life. You know, since the time of Adam and Eve, sin has come into this world. And when sin came into the world, uh, it's been a broken place. There's been pain and suffering and evil and more sin. Sin is the root cause of brokenness. It creates a divide between God and between people. But He has promised that if we would believe in His Son, He would forgive our sin. And all that believe in His Son, that He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, and that He rose from the grave, He all that is proof that God loves us and that God is going to grant us one day eternal life. And He will restore our broken relationship to Him. Colossians 1.21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, that means if you trust Him and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you trust that He raised Him, you will be saved. Our belief must be accompanied by trust. That it's all true, despite all the trouble that there is in this world. Remember, Jesus Himself faced trouble. He faced ridicule. And people lied about him. And they arrested him. And they nailed him to a cross. But he never wavered in his trust as to what God would do. And he was obedient to God. And he brought the greatest glory through his death on the cross that has ever been brought to God. By showing his trust and his faith in God and showing what he was willing to do to glorify God. We have to believe that his word, the Bible, is real. If we reject the word, 
What checkpoint do we have for truth? The Word reveals how we should live and how we should relate to God and how we should relate to other people. So belief that does not trust God, that does not trust His Word, that does not trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, is no biblical faith. We have to believe God exists. We have to trust in Him, His Word, and His Son, Jesus. Now look at what the text says. Back in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. There's a third idea that trust should produce a desire to seek Him. If we believe and if we trust, why wouldn't we seek Him? Now, what what does it mean to seek Him? That is to get to know Him. To get to know Him on a personal level. To know His Word. To know Him through prayer. To know Him through obedience to His Word. You know, we can sometimes get caught up in just going through the motions. And we're really not seeking God. I heard about a congregation that every Sunday the preacher would get up and stand before the congregation and he would begin the service by leaning into the microphone and saying, The Lord be with you. And the whole congregation would respond, And also with you. One Sunday he got up. The microphone wasn't working. He tapped on it. And he said... There's something wrong with this. And the congregation all together responded, and also with you. They they weren't even paying attention to what he was saying. And you know, we can get in the habit of just going through the motions. Do we really get in and read God's Word? Do we read it as though we're we're talking to God and we're, we're wanting to get to know Him more? And we want to draw close to Him. And what about when we pray? Do we just go through? Oh, here's a list, God. Do this, do that. Do we stop and listen for God's voice? To let Him lead us maybe to an answer to a problem or to a verse that we need for encouragement? Are we genuinely praying to God? We attend church. Do we just go through the motions? Or are we actually worshiping God? When we sing, do we think about the words of the song? We sing one of the great old hymns, How Great Thou Art. Do we really believe that? Are we we looking to praise God when we sing? When we take communion, is it just throw the bread in, throw the juice back? Or are we taking time to think, this This little bread, this represents Jesus' broken body. He died for my sin. This this juice, the blood that covered my sin. And do we really think about that? Are we repentant and sorrowful that we have sinned? But then we come to the realization that He did it because He loves us. And we find joy in the fact that He has called us and saved us through His death. You know, are we seeking the Lord? 
Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. There's going to come a time when you won't be able to seek the Lord anymore. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do we put our heart into seeking God? Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. You know, are we seeking God just for what we can get? Are we seeking his righteousness? That means right living. Are we seeking to live for him? He says he'll take care of all the material things if we'll just put him first in our life. In John 4, 23, Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God wants worshipers that have that spirit of God inside of them. And they connect their spirit with that spirit and look to His Word for truth so that they truly connect to God and live for Him. You know, as we take in God's Spirit, we grow in the Spirit. Ken Bailey was a missionary. He was a Bible teacher, and he taught the Bible in Egypt, Lebanon, Jerusalem, and Cyprus, throughout the Middle East. On one occasion, he and a group of men, a guide, and some guards, and some other men were traveling across the Sahara Desert to go to a place where they were going to teach the Bible. Along the way, there got to be a hole in their goatskin bag that held their water. They had a several-day journey ahead of them, and they were out of water. And so they changed their course a little bit to go to a, a well that was well-known called Beer Shaytun. And it was a, more than a day's journey away, and they were parched. And they were dying of thirst. And as they traveled along, Ken thought about the verse in the Bible from Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he said, as I was thirsting for water, I realized I had never thirsted for righteousness the way I'm thirsting for the water that we're going to find at that well. He also knew that if there was no water in that well, that the guards that were with them would probably kill them and take the camels in order to save their own lives. But they did find water. But do we, do we thirst for righteousness the way we would thirst for water if we were parched and had no water? Are we seeking God? Truly. Augustine said, Understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. So we enter into a relationship with God where we believe that He exists. We trust that He is real, that His Word is true. That His Son Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And then we seek them. 
That's what a real faith looks like. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So here's our connection. God is pleased by faith that leads to actions that glorify Him. And now that we know what real faith looks like, we have to ask ourselves, what does my faith look like? There was a world-class runner, female, and she signed up to run in one of those races. It was going to start at a mall, and it was going to run so many miles or kilometers, and she was probably favored to win this race. It was, she lived in New York, and it was in Connecticut. So she headed out early before the race and, and was hoping to arrive a little early, but her directions were not very good, and this was before the GPS was invented. And finally, she came to this little town where she thought the race was, and she stopped at a gas station and said, I'm supposed to run at a race. It starts at a mall. And the attendant there said, yeah, there's a mall over here, and I, I think they are having a race today. And so she headed over. Well, they were pleased to see this uh, renowned runner had chosen to run in their race, but they had no record of her being registered. And so they told her if she would register quickly, they still had time to get her in the race, and she did. And she ran the race, and she beat everybody, men included, four minutes ahead of the, of the, the other, next other person to cross the line. And she was thinking she was going to capture this great prize money that had been offered for this race. But only when she crossed the finish line did she learn she had gone to the wrong place and entered the wrong race. The town where her race was was the next town over. And it had a big cash prize. She didn't get the prize. Because she entered the wrong race. I wondered, are we in the right race? Are we truly have the right kind of faith? A faith in God that believes that He exists. That trusts in His Word and His Son Jesus. And is seeking Him day by day to get to know Him. And to build a relationship with him. You know, I started out showing you those shoes and thinking about, boy, we got to tie our shoes every day the rest of our life. Of course, I have, uh, I have to put on shoes every day. But you know what? I've come to find out there's some you don't have to tie now. Sketchers has come out with these slip-ons, and they're a lot easier. You know, the more you know, the better it gets. The more you know God through Jesus Christ, the better it gets. So do we have a real faith? Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your word. It gives us everything that we need to live the life that you've called us to. It shows us that you're real. The Word guides us if we trust it. It points us to Jesus. If we trust Him, we will be saved. But Lord, we need to do our part and that we need to seek 
And so I pray that you would, you would help us and give us your spirit to guide us so that we can have that real faith, Lord, that looks to you as Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' strong name that we pray and pray today. Amen.